0: Live from the heartland and the crossroads
1: of America, it's Tony Katz today. It's hard to think it's 2021 when we're talking about the Taliban, Al Qaeda and ISIS. But yet here we are talking about the Taliban, Al Qaeda and ISIS. The question, of course, is, well, what's the difference? And there are indeed great differences in them, but how does it affect us? How is it affecting things on the ground and how much of this was actually precipitated by how we did the withdrawal or was it the withdrawal in and of itself? It is an acceptable question to ask. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, 833, got Tony, eight three three four six eight 468 That is the number. Let me bring in Stephen Yates from DCI Advisory, DC International. You've seen him often on Fox News. National, Deputy National Security Advisor to then Vice President Dick Cheney uh, joins us right now. You study these things all around the globe. We've spoken before on these issues But I wanted to make sure we were all on the same page and talking about, well, what are the subjects here? Because there's a multiplicity. There's the groups involved in Afghanistan. There is their ideas for what it is they want to control. Then there is the threat factor to the United States in and of itself as a nation, and now specifically because of how we've done this withdrawal in Afghanistan. So let's start with the basics, Stephen. The difference between the Taliban, Al-Qaeda, and
2: ISIS.
0: Well, Tony, I think it's entirely appropriate and good that you're pushing these questions because there's a lot of emotion and loose talk about this stuff these days, and uh, it's important to sort of start with definitions. Uh, And I would uh, sort of say at the outset, while there are definite differences in roles and missions, there is one thing that holds all of these groups together, and it's a promotion of the marriage of mosque and state, which I would call Islamism, Uh, and there is an opposition to the United States and a support for the imposition of Sharia law. Those are some commonalities across all of these. But there's a different history and uh, sort of different roles and missions for these. So Al Qaeda is uh, the base. It was the network that was set up by Osama bin Laden It comes out of the time. When those militants were going to Afghanistan to try to eject the Soviet Union, uh, they got a lot of battle practice during that time. It was meant to, in their way of thinking, free up a territory and a population to then serve as their host. Uh, and so they drew from militants all across the broader Middle East uh, and fought in that conflict. Al-Qaeda itself moved over to uh, Africa for a time, uh, and then the Taliban, the other group, is a, is a, is a militia inside of Afghanistan uh, that had fought to uh, push out the independent government there after the Soviet occupation. Uh, and uh, they, they served, they're, they're called the students. Uh, and so they're localized. They have a particular mission focused primarily on Afghanistan itself. Uh, but they were a host that invited al-Qaeda, the base, to relocate back to Afghanistan and co-mingle there uh, for the years that led up to the attack uh, on the U.S. embassies in Africa, the attack on the USS Cole, uh, and, of course, the 9-11 attack. Uh, so there are some different origins, roles, and missions. Uh, Al-Qaeda is sort of the broad regional and global uh, network that reaches all the way from Southeast Asia through the broader Middle East into activist networks that affect our border and other parts of the United States.
1: So as, as we, we take a look at it, we can really get the differential in them all having this this basis in, in, in Sharia. Uh, the difference is uh, desire. For the Taliban the desire is Afghanistan and for al Qaeda, the desire is is the world. That, it, it, I, that's how I've always done it in my head.
0: I, I think that's largely correct, uh, and there's just the issue of reach. Uh, so if you are looking to control Afghanistan itself, you may not be as aggressive as Al-Qaeda would be in acquiring the world's most dangerous weapons and proliferating them into other parts of the world. Uh, you, you. If you're, if you're the Taliban, you're probably really interested in running your fiefdom. You're like a local mafia. You're less interested in what, uh, in what is being done to facilitate the overthrow or attack on other governments in the region or other parts of the world. You don't object. It's just not your role or mission.
1: Talking to Stephen Yates, he served as Deputy Security Advisor for then-Vice President Dick Cheney. Now let's get into, as we see these threats play out, what, what What is it that we as Americans should be paying attention to? What we know now is that the Taliban is absolutely a threat against those Americans who are behind what I refer to as the Taliban line, can't get to the airport in, in Kabul. And, of course, those Afghans, those Afghanis who worked with us, they're getting killed. We're already starting to hear uh, those reports. But how do we view the Taliban as a threat to us in the united states or is their support of or relationships with al qaeda the thing we're bothered by
0: i think it's very difficult to disentangle al qaeda and the taliban at the moment at least from the visuals that are largely getting reported by international press some u.s press but a lot of international press are showing images of known al qaeda operatives in and around the kabul airport and intermingled around in some of the coverage of the the takeover of the government there. Uh, So I'm I'm troubled on both levels as I watch how things are unfolding. Uh, Now, uh, when you think of what is an attack on the United States, Uh, One would usually consider uh, an assault, especially one that results in fatality on U.S. men and women serving abroad, is an attack on the United States. Our forward deployed bases are considered U.S. sovereign territory, and so an attack on those facilities would also be considered an attack on the United States. I don't know whether a lot of Americans think in those terms, but in, in national security, you would consider those kinds of things to be an act of war, something that would provoke a a strong response, and understandably so. And so the Taliban very much is a threat to U.S. national interests, our men and women, who I think have been put in a nearly impossible situation with this botched withdrawal. Uh, And then when you look at the al-Qaeda interest, it spills over into the the borders of Pakistan, Uh, has some reach across uh, Iran, even though they come from different flavors of militant Islam. There's a commingling of those anti-American interests uh, and some anti-Israel interests. Uh, And so we have to look at this provocative weakness on display leading to boldness on the part of both of these networks, one attacking our, our interests and possibly our troops inside Afghanistan and the others using that material or the momentum derived from this humiliation to push out its interests and perhaps attacks beyond afghanistan
1: now that propaganda part i understand all too well when you see the taliban raising their flag to to model the the flag raising on iwo jima it is meant as a propaganda piece it is meant to to demoralize that is without question uh, their point nor do i believe that that the taliban has any interest in in actually listening to deadlines or or not killing americans that's They they don't believe that Biden will have any strength to come back. But now let's take a a moment to to take a step back and take a look at what has happened over the past days since we all realized this is a disaster. Let's not get into how could you set this up? How could you have a plan to withdraw military before withdrawing uh, American citizens, before withdrawing these Afghanis who helped us, and then leave behind billions of dollars worth of of hardware and guns, etc.? Talk to me as you know these things as somebody who has worked in this, uh, in this arena of, of national security. How does that propaganda war, which has been now taking place for days and we have watched what people refer to as humiliation taking place, you watch how our allies respond. How does that affect the United States with credibility and its future going forward?
0: Well, you're quite right, and there's a ton that could be talked about in terms of how we got here. I, I broadly support the idea of ending the war and withdrawing our troops. Uh, I think when, when Osama bin Laden was killed, that was the time when a lot of these wheels should have, should have been turning forward. A lot of these roles and missions handed off to allies and regional powers, and they would have to play out. And the role of U.S. military is one to come in and strike hard and strike fear against those who want to challenge our interests and challenge our allies not to build, govern, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and so just with that broad caveat, uh, this, this demonstration of weakness and the seeming ineptitude in being able to extract our own personnel uh, to give up a, a, a secure airfield in order to we deal instead with a chaotic private airport, uh, it, it, made, it really is a one-for-one correlation. It leads to the the, the Parliament of the UK, Great Britain, Condemning and censoring uh, the president of the United States in an unprecedented way. NATO allies speaking out in dismay.
1: And b- just so, just so everybody, everybody is on the same page of what you're saying, Stephen, talking to Stephen Yates, uh, CEO of DCI Advisory and a former Deputy National Security Advisor to then President Vice President Dick Cheney, Bagram Air Force Base was left for dead. We turned off the lights, turned off the electricity and left when that could have been a place that we utilize for a whole series of things, including evacuating Americans. We abandoned the airfield and are only working out of the Kabul airport, and that's part of what you think is helping this propaganda war.
0: It is, and propaganda war is not to be slighted. Uh, The Communist Party of China, uh, the Islamist networks broadly, are very good at some of this political warfare. I wish they were not. Uh, But the Chinese government had a very slick and well-produced propaganda video done in English and in Chinese targeting Taiwan and trying to dispirit allies that pivoted off of American humiliation in the broader Middle East. And that's how we pay a a bigger price than people might expect. Now, I have been an advocate for the United States being better at some political warfare tools itself. A lot of the well-heeled corridors of the establishment don't like it. They think it's dirty. They think it's manipulative. Uh, but I think we should be sowing doubt, dissent, and humiliation back into these quarters that are challenging our interests. Don't give them any freebies or easy rides. Uh, and we do have to aggressively push forward the the interest that we have uh, and the fact that we are committed to stand up for allies. I wish I believed that President Biden was committed to doing that. He said things along those lines. But his words contradict themselves, not just his words and his deeds at this point. And I don't know how anyone can really trust the United States to stand by them in a dangerous situation when we've left people literally to die. There's a death sentence given to the brother of an interpreter that worked with the, the free government of Afghanistan just, just laid down yesterday. This is definitely going in the wrong direction, and it's debilitating beyond, beyond Afghanistan.
1: Before before I let you go, uh, le- let's take a look at what it is that uh, the Republican Party, one could say, can do about this. Because it's it's clear that even if you were to have a world that didn't have uh, Joe Biden as president, you still have Kamala Harris as president. You you still have this Democratic power structure for the next uh, year until twenty twenty two. They seem to see the world far differently than you and me, and they seem to see a world in a way that is far more dangerous for all of us, regardless of our political party. What, what will get through, in your view, to this party in power, through uh, to Jake Sullivan, the National Security Advisor, through to John Kirby, who, who is the spokesperson for the, White House, for, the, for the Pentagon, Lloyd Austin, the Defense Secretary, uh, General uh, Mark Milley, what will they understand to change the way they're doing things?
0: Well, I'm very pessimistic that they can understand what real America is all about and what real American interests have been all along. I think the best thing that that active Americans can do that care about these things, number one, is do good and be seen doing good. Go find those in your community who served in Afghanistan Give them a hug. Give them a give them a support. This is dispiriting to them. Show that we respect the institution of our military and those who serve. And it's the suits, not the boots, who failed in this exercise. And we need to show solidarity. Many, many, many veterans I've heard heard from are just overwhelmingly hurt and angered by what they have witnessed. And if you happen to be a Republican, you need to be standing on the right side of this. And these people might, on the other side of things, help in that midterm election and help in 2024 pull – the, the balance of power back into the direction of sanity, I think, for an alternative in 2024. But get out into your community. Show that we support people. This woke culture is tied into what the Taliban is about, what the Chinese Communist Party is about. It's destroying the institutions that make our culture great, make our country great, and made us strong and an inspiration to the world. Stand proudly by those things. Make your elected leaders stand with you as you stand by those things. And I think that's how we pull the pendulum back in the right direction.
1: Stephen Yates, a DCI Advisory, I appreciate you taking the time uh, to be with us, taking the time uh, while you're uh, traveling uh, out west very much. So we've got more, including Senator Todd Young scheduled to be with us. I'm Tony Katz. shower every day, producer Ari.
2: Uh, I think so. I,
1: I would say, by and large, uh, I, I, I do. I guess if if there's a weekend where I'm doing nothing, I, I may not. And this story is freaking people out. And I, I didn't know this was something that's happening out there in culture, but I guess uh, um, Ashton Kutcher and and Mila Kunis were discussing how they rarely bathe their children. And they don't wash with soap every day. And I said, well, first, I think it might be a little weird if you rarely bathe your children. I don't know what rarely is supposed to mean. Uh, But there are plenty of people who think that soap, you know, dries out the skin and shampoo, it ruins your hair. And people skip a day and washing their hair, but they still may take a a shower. How is this surprising to anybody? How is this news? And then both uh, Matt McConaughey and Lizzo got into the story. I'm like, oh, what in the world? So Matthew McConaughey doesn't wear deodorant, and Lizzo doesn't wear deodorant. Okay, what? I think I think this is true of lots and lots and lots of people. They look at it like you know what—that's a chemical. I don't want it. I think there are people who was it—is it aluminum in the deodorant that, that people are like, yeah, that's bad news. I get that. I it, I, I just found it amazing. That people are are looking at this and they're they're actually bothered by it, man. It's their kids. If they don't want to wash their kids, do you? Th- if, if your kid's got some dirt uh, uh, on their knee, right? If the dirt's there for three days, do you do you think think the kid's gonna die or something? Like, do you th- really think it's a problem? If the kid is for the most part clean, has just been in the house, is 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 the bath really necessary? The answer the answer is no. I mean, just stop and, and take, take a breath and think about that for a moment. Now, if you could show me medically why it is necessary, that would be pretty interesting. But it, it just because we have the convenience and the technology doesn't mean that it's the right thing to do. Nor does it mean that you have to do it and there's no concept here right or wrong, which is really where it's at. I think the, the larger part is I don't care if Mila Kunis bathes her kids and you don't either but to decide to make a federal case out of something they're doing and you don't like it so therefore it's wrong it's not wrong it's their kid you you tell your kid that they have to wear a mask or they're going to die from covid i think that's wrong the political fallout in the united states from the situation in afghanistan Senator Todd Young of Indiana is scheduled to be with us next. We will ask. This is Tony Katz today. There's no part of Afghanistan that doesn't have some kind of fallout. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, the phone number 833-468-8669. There is no part... That doesn't have a fallout. We discussed the propaganda war already at play from the Taliban, creating photos in the imagery of Iwo Jima. You already have China uh, playing it up against Taiwan. Lord knows what the Russians are going to do with Ukraine and Estonia. But what about the fallout right here? What about the political fallout of recognizing that Joe Biden's failure isn't An isolated incident, whether we want to talk about rising prices and inflation, gas prices, whether we want to talk about the southern border. How about the fact that you still have three and a half more years of this administration and what other damage can be done? What is it that Republicans in the House and in the Senate? what can they do to blunt this how do they change his mind on some of these things and get a better result going forward exactly what does this mean for 2022 and possibly 2024 senator todd young joins us right now senator from indiana at sen todd young on the twitter box and you're 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 a marine sir we we know this story about you you have served let's start with that basic then you watch this pullout from Afghanistan and what has transpired over the last seven days. Your take.
2: So, look, my take is, uh, Tony, uh, yes, as a Marine, I've, I've talked to corporals and sergeants uh, out in the field. And one of the things you learn is your most valuable source of tactical intelligence can oftentimes be your troops themselves. And As uh, as we've seen soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines return from Afghanistan, one of the things that they have said time and time again is is that the Afghan National Security Force, the Afghan army that we helped build, wasn't ready to fight on its own. And so the challenges we're seeing, to put it mildly, were foreseeable. There were serious gaps in in, uh, in, in, uh, judgment that occurred by the president of the United States. Uh, that occurred by our top military leaders our top diplomats and the execution of this withdrawal has has been sloppy and cavalier and and, and um, disastrous uh, in implementation and uh, therefore uh, in the here and now we need to focus on getting every single american out of that country come what may that's my takeaway But
1: we're not hearing that in those direct terms. What we're hearing is, for as long as we can stay, for as long as we're there, we're going to do our best. You have stories that the Taliban is now saying they won't extend the deadline, as if somehow they have a choice in this matter. Is there a possibility? Are you discussing with people what happens if Joe Biden leaves Americans behind?
2: Well, absolutely. Uh, Our point of emphasis right now is making sure that between now and the 31st, which is uh, still the administration's intended exit uh, timeline, uh, that uh, we do everything we can to support that mission. My office is doing that. We're in touch with 250 different individuals that we're trying to get out of uh, Afghanistan, Hoosiers who are themselves uh, trapped and and so forth. Uh, I've been working on this for months, actually, uh, working with my colleagues, to make sure that those interpreters who allied with our soldier sailors, airmen, and Marines could get out of the country. But for whatever reason, the administration – and, and here's, here's the crux of it, Tony. You focus on getting civilians out first, then you pull your troops out. They had it in reverse. They actually want to get the troops out uh, by a date certain, and it happened to coincide with the 20th anniversary of 9-11 – and, and, and it's as though getting the civilians out has become an afterthought. So, look, look um, in the near term, everything needs to be done to get these civilians out, and, and that's where our, our focus is. But uh, rest assured, there will be a lot of probing questions that I and others will be a- asking um, strategically, which is where you started uh, with your lead-in. And in in terms of the planning ops, and um, I suspect some of our leadership uh, will uh, will be called to the carpet.
1: Talking to Senator Todd Young of Indiana, I I, want to make sure we, we, we cover something directly here, which is I don't mind tough questions being asked. What I am more curious about is how in the bloody hell do you handle forgive the language, the next three and a half years with somebody who doesn't understand that you get the Americans out first and then you get your military out. How do you blunt this kind of very dangerous, you take a look at the way allies are disgusted by what's happening. Uh, the the French uh, President Emmanuel Macron and parts of his conversation were even scrubbed from Americans seeing it. The UK condemning, uh, holding Joe Biden in contempt. What is the plan to Set him on a more straight and narrow path if that's what it takes? Or is there a stronger political play that can happen?
2: Well, look, uh, there will come a time in the not too distant future where Republicans uh, will have more leverage uh, collectively as a group. Uh, you know, there is a coming election next year, uh, and that's how those things play out. In the near term, every single one of us should be praying for the success of this president and, and successfully extract extracting Americans, uh, interpreters and, and so forth. But um, uh, the, the very pointed answer to your question, Tony, is, is that uh, we are able to steer this country in a uh, in a wiser direction if we can get more leverage. We will have power over the purse. We will have oversight power so we can hold probing hearings about what went wrong and what might go wrong as it pertains to other foreign policy issues moving forward. And ultimately, uh, we have power to authorize the use of military force or not to authorize the use of military force. So uh, those are the instruments that we have, but they can only be exercised with majority power.
1: Let me – now step into going back to a a, a bit of of technical and rely a bit on your your military expertise. We talk about the training that the United States gave the Afghanis, and that training involved training them in how the U.S. sees military involvement as an air support type of system, that we engage in the air, and then we're able to move uh, better through the ground. That air support was taken away from the Afghanis, and the ability to engage it themselves was taken away in this uh, radicalized pull out from, from Joe Biden. Did we train them right? Should they have been trained in the way we do it, or should we have trained to more of their strengths, which experts tell me was more of a light infantry style?
2: So that's an excellent question. Um, look, we spent 20 years uh, building this army using our best trainers, uh, equipping with them with some of uh, our most sophisticated technology. We've, we've given them an Air Force, right? Uh, and, and yet uh, they fell apart uh, almost immediately. Uh, I think we have to recognize there are uh, limitations. There are limitations as it relates to trying to train uh, a force of, of people uh, who regard themselves first and foremost as members of a tribe and not of a nation. And uh, so I attribute that, uh, you know, and, and they're up against a a, a, a Harden for 20 years, the Taliban uh, though vastly outnumbered, they were fighting for a cause. And seemingly so many of the Afghan soldiers were just collecting a paycheck. But in the near term, I do want to emphasize, Tony, uh, if you'll just give me 10 seconds of airtime on this, uh, we, we, we've got to get uh, our Hoosiers out, the rest of Americans out. Our office is trying to be helpful however we can. If, if there are any family members listening to this, they believe we can be helpful. Um, uh, they can email our office at evacuation at young dot senate dot gov we've been working with some uh, hard rank and file workers at dod and states we've met with success in getting some people repatriated we want to help with more
1: if that's singular evacuation
2: that is a uh, singular evacuation at young dot senate dot gov okay before before i let you go sir
1: uh, it's it's it 's a two part question of two very different questions uh, One of your fellow members of the Senate Ben Sass out of Nebraska has been jumping up and down about the the realization that we need in certain areas a small light footprint a forward force if if you will you're gonna have to leave americans in certain spots around the globe and and in my take of what he's saying that's the new foreign policy that's the way it's got to be in your point of view from from your looking at it do we need to start leaving americans in drips and drabs across the globe
2: we, we don't want to leave any Americans behind. Absolutely not. I, mean, I meant, I I meant mean, forces.
1: I meant U.S. forces. I don't mean, I don't mean what, what's happening in Afghanistan right now.
2: Oh, look, we don't, we don't want to be everywhere. Uh, so I don't oppose, uh, you know, conceptually to, to pull out of forces. But this was a botched implementation. As far as Ben Sass and, and, and uh, my, my colleague uh, with whom I uh, have a great relationship and I have a great deal of respect for Ben, Ben, I believe, has advocated retaking Uh, the the Bagram Air Base, which, you know, my briefing tells me would require uh, a major commitment of of troops and so forth. That may or may not be the best option as we look to getting Americans out. I suspect there are other options uh, that that can be utilized, uh, like uh, coming up with loiter points, advertising to Americans that are in Kabul uh, when they can uh, meet our, our troops there, and then providing a, uh, an, an armored uh, uh, corridor uh, where, those, where those Americans can uh, find their way to safety. But, look, let's, let's hope that it doesn't come to that. Let's hope that before August 31st we can get all these Americans out. Uh, that's what the commander-in-chief has promised us. Uh, so far his promises have rung hollow, but uh, uh, at, at my level I'm going to do everything possible to make sure that we, uh, we meet with success.
1: Do Republicans, because Senator Lindsey Graham brought it up, others have brought it up, do Republicans have an appetite for impeachment?
2: Look, I don't see how that helps us right now. Um, You you know, I I know a lot of times being spent on television, I suppose that doesn't slow us down, talking about things like that. But we ought to be intently focused on what's our op plan? You know, how can we be helpful in getting every single American, and uh, those who have helped us, interpreters, uh, for example, out of this country. That's what I've been focused on for months, uh, uh, and that's what uh, the administration is going to be focused on. And then, and then frankly, uh, uh, all these questions need to be answered. Uh, all these questions need to be answered by the president of the United States directly, uh, by his top diplomats and, and military commanders, and it wouldn't surprise me if, if uh, there were some uh there were some resignations and if there aren't resignations there may need to be firings
1: we will get into that in the days ahead senator todd young i appreciate you taking the time senator todd young of indiana uh if you have anybody who needs help evacuation at young.senate.gov i believe is is the proper email young.senate.gov i will put that there on the twitter box more to get to i'm tony katz You know the rioting in Australia, right? Because of the mask mandates, and you have to stay at home, and you're not allowed out, and you can't get fresh air, and people are like, "Yeah, this, is, this isn't the way it works." It's hard for I think government officials to understand that Amer- that not Americans, but 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 human beings are human beings. They're not robots. They they're not going to listen to you say, "Well, we know it's best for you." They're, they're not going to have any part of it. They need to go out and be around people. You can't say there's a virus you have to suffer. There's something interesting about people who believe that that you know you can just demand somebody and demand somebody and that the the rules of civility will stay hold will, will, will keep hold and, and and I think this is a great example because you're abusing someone. When you're abusing someone and abusing someone and abusing someone, eventually they push back. Thus the story of the Pittsburgh Steelers. There was a preseason game, and in the preseason game, there are two guys yelling at each other. There's a guy sitting down who is white. There is a man standing up who is black. Oh, I, I saw this. I do not know why they're why they're yelling at each other. And in between them is this woman who decided to just put herself in the middle of it, is in this black guy's face, screaming and yelling him, you go away, you get out of here, cursing everything else. And at one moment, he puts his hand up to kind of block a shot that looks like is coming because she brings her hand over. And he puts her hands, get away from me. And she's like, how dare you? And slaps him square in the face. Square in the, a hard slap. And he's like, oh, this is happening. And he's like, are you kidding me? And actually like, like goes like he's gonna punch. She hides like a child. Her boyfriend, whatever it is, gets up. And the black guy then proceeds to knock the white guy cold, and when his girlfriend jumped in, he punches her in the face and knocks her over the the chair. Knocks her over the chair. Actually, he knocked her over the chair first and then knocked the boyfriend unconscious. This is a story. i I don't want the fight. I don't understand why the fight happened. None of it makes any sense whatsoever. But this is 100% a story of a woman who believed she could do anything she wanted because she was a woman. Can't hit a woman. Now, it could be just a conversation about beer. And and there is no no subtext or, or political anything. But she slapped a guy in the face, and she thought, well, whatever, and then tried to hit him with her hat after she hid. Like, he's like, are you kidding? And she hides. And then when it's like, okay, maybe he's not going to hit her, she hits him with her hat. Ladies, I'm not in favor of fighting. I'm not in favor of hitting. I'm not in favor of the violence. Just watch a football game and try not to be crazy. But if you slap someone in the face and you think you won't get hit, I don't know what to tell you, but you did not get raised in my family, where we were taught if you slap someone in the face, you might get hit. If you tell people they're not free and they have to live in their homes like their homes are cages and if they go outside, they're going to get arrested or worse, Chances are they'll riot on the streets of Australia, New South Wales. Just saying it the way it is. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. This is Tony Katz Today.